Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. We're happy to see you. Let's stand and worship God together. <clears throat>
Thank you for your singing. Thank you, music team, and welcome to church this morning, everyone. Uh, am I allowed to help myself here? <laughs> uh, I'm sure many of us come here this morning with, you know, with probably worries and concerns and anxieties and stress and all that stuff, but today is a day that we're going to do our best to celebrate. Uh, Communion service especially is is, uh, is a very special thing that, that we get to do. And uh, it's great that we're going to partake in that today. And also the uh, the potluck after. Something I think has been on our minds and in our, in our stomachs for a long time. We've been wanting to do something like this. So uh, just today is a good day to, uh, to celebrate God and His goodness. And uh, he, has, he has nothing but good plans for us. And though we don't always see that, uh, he's he's got our backs and he's got a good plan for us. But anyway, so if you guys would just like to follow along and read with me the call to worship this morning, uh, it's from Psalm 138. Find it in your bulletins, and we'll just read together. I will bow down and give thanks to thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Just bow for prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, for your provision and all your goodness you, uh, you give to us, though, uh, though we don't deserve it. Uh, you are a loving God and a graceful God, and uh, we just thank you for that, and we just want to hand this service over to you this morning, Lord. So we thank you for everyone that, uh, that is able to be here this morning, and we think of those who are, who are not with us this morning as well, Lord. So we just uh, pray for a, for a good service today and a, and a great day as well, just, just to be to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Myron, I believe, is going to share some of the word with us. Good morning. It's good to be here. and I really appreciated your opening remarks, Jeremy. It's, it is a good place to be. So our scripture reading this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 9, all of chapter 9, David and Mephibosheth. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I could show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Maker, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maker, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, help me with that word, Mephibosheth, when Mephibosheth. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family, 
You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba and fifteen, had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet.
Well, his immediate family, of course, would. The queen, the princes, the princesses. Perhaps there would often be special friends of the family who could join them at the king's table. Royalty from another visiting country, visiting official businesses, they would probably be invited to the king's table. Sometimes there would be an official invitation given to someone of the upper class to come and join at the king's table for a meal. Or perhaps, very rarely, uh, someone who had done some remarkable deed for the royal family or some remarkable deed for the, for the kingdom would be invited to the king's table. So pretend you're living in that kind of world. You are of the low class. In your imagination, just let your mind go there. If you're living in that kind of world, you are of the low class. You're a servant. You're a virtual slave to some middle class or high class officer. There's no hope for advancement for you or anyone in your family. Ever. You are a low class commoner and that is where you will stay. There is no hope of any being anything different or anything better for you. Or for your kids. That is what life is. What are the chances that you would get an invitation to come to the palace for supper and join the royal family at the king's table? What are the chances of that happening? Well, <laughs> slip to none. That, that won't happen. That just doesn't happen. That was the world of King David and Mephibosheth. The story that was just read to us from 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let me give you a brief, a brief uh, background to that story of Mephibosheth. In those days, when a king was killed, and somebody other than the king's family took over the throne, one of the first things done was that everyone in the former king's family was put to death. That would be what happened if there was a coup, for example, or if there was a defeat in war, uh, the king was killed, somebody else took over by force the kingdom, the first thing done was kill everyone in the former king's family. That was to remove all possible threat of someone from the former king's family trying to retake the throne to keep a dynasty alive for a time. So they're all put to death. If you were of the family of the deposed king, you went from royalty to the lowest of the low class instantly. Instantly, the lowest of the low. So, when King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle, and the people made David the king, that put a huge fear into all of Saul's family, thinking they'd all be killed. And so they fled for safety. Prince Jonathan had a five-year-old son. And when news came of Saul and Jonathan's death, the nurse taking care of Jonathan's son grabbed him and fled for safety. In the course of the flight, the boy fell and permanently injured both his legs. He was crippled in both his legs from that time on. That boy's name was Mephibosheth. Now we don't hear anything about Mephibosheth for about 15 to 20 years after this. After King David had secured the kingdom, he had brought the Ark of the Covenant of God to Jerusalem. He had defeated some of the more powerful enemies of Israel who were constantly attacking him. And after all that, he had a chance to sit back and think things over. And David realized that God had greatly blessed him. And he remembered back to his younger days. And he and Prince Jonathan had been good friends. They had been best of friends back then. David was not really much 
have been welcomed into the palace by King Saul. So Saul was a troubled man, and David could play the fire very well, very beautifully. And that soothed King Saul, and, and of course, Jonathan and David became really good friends. They were best friends. And David, thinking back now, and he's thinking back, and he remembers his friendship with, with Jonathan. Prince Jonathan. They were good times. And then David remembered a promise made. A promise he had made back then. To Jonathan. And so David started asking questions and getting his staff to do some searching for him. Is there anyone left of Jonathan's family? I need to show some kindness. Another word translated kindness in my translation, uh, the Hebrew word could very well be translated grace. He can show some kindness or some grace to whoever's left of Saul's house, if there is anybody. Is there, is there anyone left? Well, after their surgery, and word came back to David that there was one descendant left. That was Mephibosheth. Just a five-year-old boy when, when Jonathan and Saul were killed. But now he's a grown man, and he's crippled in both ways. And David said, bring him here. And so Mephibosheth was brought to the palace, and I'm sure shaking in his boots. And probably thinking, they finally found me. They finally found me. Now I'm going to get my head cut off. When he was ushered into King David's presence, Mephibosheth fell down on his face and prostrated himself before the king. And the king then said something. King David said something that totally surprised and amazed Mephibosheth. Do not fear. For I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. That word King David used translated here as kindness. I will surely show kindness to you. The Hebrew word means to show love and kindness and grace on the basis of the covenant. Not to show kindness on the basis of what somebody did to deserve it, but on the basis of the covenant. That kind of kindness. A covenant or a promise. That's great. Remember, Mephibosheth is now the lowest of the low class in Israel. He is a descendant of the former king that had been killed. He had never met David. He had never done anything for him or for the kingdom. He was kind of laying low for, what they say, 15, 20 years. He was a nobody. He had done nothing. He had nothing. And on top of that, he crippled in both legs. He had done absolutely nothing in any way to deserve anything from the royal family. And yet, here he is in the palace. Invited by the king. And King David says, I'm going to show kindness to you because of your father's honor. That first. From now on, Mephibosheth would live at the palace and regularly come and eat at the king's table. You can understand Mephibosheth's response of amazement and unbelief. What is your servant that you should regard as dead dog like me? He couldn't believe it. But that's what King David is offering. That's what the King David is telling him. From now on, he would eat at the king's table. Picture for a moment what it might have been like, say, a few weeks or months down the road at the palace. Call at the palace was given the supper was ready, and the royal family begins to assemble in the great dining hall of the palace. King David comes in with the queen and is seated at the head of the king's table. 
the princes and princesses start walking in. Prince Adam, the beautiful and charming Princess Tamar. King, or sorry, Prince Solomon. Handsome Prince Absalom. How many is on this occasion, Joab, the commander of David's army, and troops, perhaps he's been invited today. He comes in and he's seated at the king's table. But there's an empty spot. And then you can hear the thump, thump, some crutches coming down the hall. And the fibbishet. Makes his awkward entrance. Comes to the table. Is seated. His triple legs are hidden under the king's table. And the meal begins. Think the Fibbishet understood great. Now, in God's kingdom, there are similarities and there are differences to this kind of a kingdom. God is the sovereign king. He has absolute power. He is pure and holy and all-powerful in every way. And we are definitely low-class commoners. We are sinful people stained throughout by sin, crippled in so many ways. Totally unworthy of any contact with God the king. And God certainly would not contaminate himself and his purity and his holiness with any kind of intimacy with us. Or, or would he? This is where the similarities end and the differences start. Somehow, in God's kingdom, God, the sovereign king, loves us, the commoners. And not just in general, like a good king, good human king might love his subject. But God loves us, the common, individually, personally. He loves us deeply. God, our king, doesn't like the wall that's between us. But the truth is, we are sinful. And God cannot contaminate himself by contact with us unless we are cleansed from our sin first. So that is why God sent His Son, Jesus, to earth as a human. To live with us, to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. And then to rise from the dead to gain the victory over the effects of sin, which is death. I'd like you to turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of the disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness for us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may go. So now there is a way for God to have that close relationship with us. Because Jesus paid the price, 
we can be cleansed if we want it. If we place our faith in Jesus and humbly repent of our sins and ask forgiveness and invite Jesus to come and dwell us, God promises to forgive us. He promises to wash us clean, to cleanse us totally and utterly and make us fit for a relationship with Him. And able to come and eat at the King's table. This is what God wanted all along. You see you holding your hand right now, every one of you, every one of us, we hold in our hand an invitation. In this very moment, from King God, an invitation to come and eat at the King's table. God has said, is there anyone whom I can show grace to because of my son Jesus? Yeah, the whole human race, each individual in the human race. Friend, God wants you there. You are invited, just as you are. The only requiring meant being that you accept the invitation, meaning accepting Jesus as your Savior. Do you deserve it? No. No, you don't. I don't. Your king loves you and wants you anyway for the sake of Jesus and what he did. That is grace. And that's what we remember when we come to the Lord's table. The king's table. Grace given. Grace given. Not cheaply. It cost Jesus sacrificing his body and shedding his blood on the cross. That's what it cost. But God paid that for us. We come to the king's table, to the communion table, as Jesus commanded us, whenever we get together, or when we come together, to eat the bread, to drink the cup, in remembrance of him. We come to remember what it cost. And to humbly accept the grace given. Let's gather at the king's table. And remind ourselves of Jesus' sacrifice and, ex and, and, and the grace that God is ex ex extending. And have our communion service here together. Just a, a word of explanation. I think we've all done this before. Uh, if you have are here and you have accepted God's invitation, you have accepted him, repented of your sin, and asked forgiveness and invited him in to your life, you are certainly welcome to partake at the king's table. And you're welcome to partake with us. Uh, if you're not quite there yet, if you're sitting here in church and you're not quite there yet in your own heart, um, just invite you just to watch. Just to let things pass by you. But, but watch and listen. And maybe in the quietness of this time or the moment of this time, you can turn your heart to God and invite him in. Our custom is we will, of course, have the elders pass the elements around and we can all partake on my cue after everybody's got got it and then uh, we'll go on from the bread to the cup in that same manner Chris and Jeremy if you come join me at the front here or, or whatever the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that our Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We do this to remember. And in the very doing of it, Paul says, 
we proclaim the Lord's death. It's an expression of the gospel, if you like. We're preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, death of Jesus for our sins. We're proclaiming the Lord's death, the gospel, until he comes back. Chris, could you return thanks for the bread which represents the body of Christ? I inadvertently mixed up the order of service here, so we'll let the guys pass out the elements, and then you guys can. Uh, is that okay? Or okay. Yeah, do your.
That I kind of screwed up the part of the service here. Sorry about that. Messed up the music team. They had some songs wanted to do, but, but they're supposed to have a package right after the finish my devotional before we did the elements. But they'll do that package now. So worship team, please. This first song we found um, is called "Carried to the Table," and it really reflects um, what Pastor Glenn's sermonette was about. And um, so just sit back, listen to the words, and reflect. Um, on how um, what we just did carries us to the king's table.
I was shattered by the fall Broken and forgotten Feeling lost and all alone Summoned by the King Into the Master's courts Lifted by the Savior And cradled in His arms I was carried to the table Seated where I don't belong Carried to the table Swept away by His love And I don't see my brokenness anymore Let's stand and sing together <clears throat> in reflection of communion rather than anticipation too. <laughs> Okay. 
Savior, Jesus Christ, dawn for you. Eat and remember the wounds that heal, the death that brings us life. Pay the price to make us one. So we share in this bread of life, and we drink of this sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of love around the Oh